Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you might be in the big wide world and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds another exciting episode this week i am delighted really really delighted to have my next guest on the show uh, a great professional uh, and friend that's worked in the industry for uh, some time with some great experience. So I'm going to welcome to Industry Insights, owner at Earth Monkey Entertainment, Christine Kerber. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Darren. I'm so happy to be here today with you. Yes, thank you for accepting my invitation. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you. How is everything? (laughs) It's well, it's going well. It's different, but it's good. Good. And where are you in the world right now? I'm currently sitting in my living room in Miami, Florida, USA. Nice. That sounds a lot nicer than Bristol, (laughs) England right now. It's very gray. It's been raining, I think, for seven days. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. It's glorious here. It's cool, but it's glorious. It's been blue skies for a week, so I will take it. Nice. It's wintertime there right now. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, where are you from originally? I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And how long have you been in Miami for? I have lived permanently in Miami, I would say, for about 15 years. But I have been in and out of Miami and Fort Lauderdale for the past, I would say, 22 years off and on due to the uh, work that I was doing within the industry. Nice. Well, thanks for joining me. Uh, We're really excited. I'm excited to share your story and your insights with everybody listening. Um, I kind of introduced, you know, uh, what you're doing, Earth Monkey Entertainment. But uh, if you could just start off by, you know, really telling us what that is, what your profession is, what you know are as a professional in the industry. Sure. Uh, Currently, I work in the industry as a consultant and I do choreography and I do direct Um, I also teach. However, I've been teaching for a wellness platform um, as opposed to entertainment. Right. Um, That's amazing. Okay. Congratulations on uh, all of that success that you've had. Um, And I want to dive right in back to the beginning uh, of how you started and how you got to, you know, where you did today with all of your experience. So let's go back um, and talk about education and training. If you did that within the arts, you know, what did that entail of where was that? uh, And just give us an insight into that time of your life. Sure. I I started very young. I obviously started in ballet, which um, most do or did um, 40 years ago. So I actually started in Chiquetti Ballet and Mm -hmm. uh, moved around quite a bit and studied in in ballet and just predominantly ballet until I was 13 years old. I was dancing with a regional uh, ballet company at the time as Capital City Ballet. 
and my um, artistic director and ballet master, Dward Farquhar, has that for a name, um, yeah. pulled me aside when I was 12 with my mother and told me that I was never going to be a soloist in uh, the ballet company. I could be a core dancer. However, he felt I had talent and thought that I should move on to modern and jazz. Okay. And and gave me a recommendation of some um, teachers in the area. And that's exactly what I did. So I moved on. So I left dancing with a ballet company and I started training in jazz and modern um, when I was, I think I was 14, 13, 14 years old. So that's yeah, when I took my first class. I mean, so young to be, you know, that was your life. You thought you were going to be, you know, prima ballerina. What, what, how did you, do you remember how you felt at that time when it was it positive feedback? I mean, it was positive to say you had talent, you could do this, but how did you feel at that time? You know, taking classes and training in that time period. So this would have been, you know, the seventies. So you're talking the late seventies, early eighties. Um, training was much different then. It was very direct, very straightforward. I had a ballet, a Russian ballet master who had the cane and, you know, he poked and prodded <laughs> and, and, and it's no joke, you know, that, that stereotypical yeah. vision you have of the Russian ballet master sitting in the corner on a stool with his cane, you know, tapping out the rhythm. That's, that's what I had. And I think I was accustomed to the directness of uh, critique that yeah. when he gave me that feedback, I wasn't really crushed by it. I was, um, I think in a sense, I was relieved because as much as I did love ballet, I didn't feel my heart was, I want to be a soloist ballerina. Um, right. I loved dancing. I don't know that ballet was the form that really made me feel alive. And it wasn't until I actually moved over to in jazz and modern that I realized, oh, this is really where you know, I want to be, this is actually where my love of dance, you know, resides. So um, I wasn't really crushed by it, shockingly. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because honestly, I was conditioned to take that kind of critique. Um, yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of me, you know, giving any feedback to the director It was more me taking in my mom handled it very well. And when we left, she said, So what do you want to do? And I said, Well, let me go take these other classes. And that kind of was it. Yeah. And I, it was like, like a, a non- event in some ways even though when i look back at it i'm like that's huge that is a yeah. huge event because he completely changed um the path of my career because if he had right. not and i just kind of mindlessly stuck in, you know myself in this ballet situation and didn't really explore these other avenues i potentially could not be doing what i'm doing today so yeah and like you talk about the time and then so now your experience within the industry that say these days it is a, it's very different it's a bit more emotional um yes. it, it would have been a probably a different situation maybe oh sure absolutely i don't know that today's environment um in studio and, and company situations that you can have those kind of direct conversations i appreciated the directness then and yeah. now yeah, interesting. So you moved on then to jazz and modern. Talk to us about that new part of your, your dancing career or the start of the training. It was actually quite exciting. The um, woman that I went to train under was Barbara Burroughs initially. And I did start, start taking some modern classes from a woman whose name was Shirley Wu. Uh, I trained with trained um, Graham Technique with her. And both of them encouraged me to go to New York City and to Chicago in the summertime when I was not in school to train. 
which I ended up doing. I spent a lot of time in Chicago, not as much in New York City, but a lot of time in Chicago training at Gustro Dono Jazz Dance School, and which eventually I danced in Gustro Jazz Dance Chicago, the company. So I mm-hmm. spent uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 um, in the summertime training at those professional schools. And that by far is what really propelled me into my professional career. That training, that time period really pushed me. So you were doing this, you said summer. So were you still taking class uh, when you were at home, like a a regular studio as well? Or what was the the other training that you were doing? Yes. Back in uh, Columbus, I was training with two different schools um, and danced with a, a group called Columbus Dance Ensemble at the time and River North Dance Companies. Um, we also did performances in uh, schools, you know, kind of the, the artist in schools um, programs that they had. So during um, the fall and the winter, you know, during our standard school year here in the United States, I would be training at my local studios and local dance companies. How many hours or days a week would you say that you used to put into to dance classes and training? Friday and Sundays were the only days I had off. I was either taking or teaching Monday through Thursday after school. And Saturday usually was an all-day rehearsal day, uh, classes and rehearsal days for whatever programs or performances we had coming up. Right. And, be, and being so young, I mean, how important is it to, you know, in, in make sure that you're taking class very regularly and not just, you know, here and there? How important if you want a successful career as a professional dancer in whatever genre, how important it is putting in that time? And what would your advice be with, you know, recommendations of training? It's all about foundation, foundation, foundation. <laughs> <laughs> You want I think I've heard you say that, so. <laughs> <Yes>. foundation, foundation, <laughs> foundation. You want a foundation of which you can launch yourself off of. I think what happens in training nowadays is people get very caught up in um, the decorations of the cake. I always like to say, I always use food as my um, as my examples, my my analogies and metaphors. But it's it's somewhat like building a cake, right? And some people get so excited about the icing and the candles and on all the tchotchkes you can put on the cake that they forget that they actually have to bake the layers mm. to put all of this decoration onto, right? So I always mm. encourage people, it's, it, it's tedious. It is boring, but it requires dedication and it requires um, commitment. And to those are two characteristics that you actually really need to have as a professional, you need to understand what dedication and commitment are because the industry is not an industry that's easy to be in. It's, it's yeah. hard. You know, you're, you're, you're being um, constantly critiqued. The hours in which you keep are not a normal nine to five, you know, and if you're in a situation where you're transitioning from being a student into a professional, most of us know that you're also then being a bartender or a barista or a waiter or an Amazon driver or an Uber, you know, whatever you're, you're filling the coffers with this, um, second secondary work to, um, you know, support your, your wanting to be a professional and, and what you need to do to, to do that. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Great advice. Foundation, 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 people. Listen, I remember working with you actually uh, where we met um, back when we get to where, where you were working, but for a company and you, um, you know, always talked about that and it was very very helpful and to re to remember that and go back to the bit i think i i always remember one time with you i can't remember uh it was some song masquerade or something and i really had not thought about it and thought about what i was going to do and later and you were like no go back go to the basics build it up think of the foundation and i went away and worked on it and come back you were like there you are <laughs> there you are <laughs> uh, i always remember that so yeah thanks for that um You're amazing welcome. so uh you, you started then obviously teaching and, and dancing and then talk to us about the next step. Uh, when I was graduating from high school, I, uh, I went to NYU um, School of the Arts to School of the Arts to audition. I was accepted, which was you know, amazing and thrilling. And I also applied to go to DePaul University in Chicago. And I was mm -hmm. accepted there as well. And a very interesting, at the time, I, I chatted with several um, different teachers in Chicago and, um, of course, at my studio, and they did all recommend that I go to university. However, they weren't all necessarily convinced that I should go to NYU. A lot felt that I'd already had and gained enough training at that time to become a professional. So... I decided to go to DePaul University, and while I was at DePaul University, then I was still taking class and I was training. And I was at DePaul for only one year before I landed my first yeah. gig in Chicago. And then I left college and university and took off to <laughs> the professional dance world. And, <laughs> and I've only recently never looked, yeah, back. never looked back. I never looked back. I was, I was off. You know, one thing after another, just uh -huh. kept rolling. Amazing. So what was that first job? That first job was with Al Anthony and the Phantom of the Superstars. And I was a Mark Dow dancer. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was um, at Drury Lane. And it was a show. It was a, an, an impersonator show. And there was a, a Phantom that was a magician. And he kept, um, you know, uh, capturing and kidnapping the impersonators. And at the end, they all get released. And in the interim, it's, you know, the dancers are doing a number here and there. And um, also as a magician's assistant, was, which was quite fun as well. Right. So suddenly, you know, you've done all this training. Um, you get your first professional job. How does that suddenly feel? You know, you've done, you know, since you were so young, you, this world of dance and performing. And then you get to that step of being, okay, this is it. I'm a professional. How was that transition? Was it, was it flawless, easy, or how did you feel? Well, I felt like it was flawless and easy, but you'd have to ask my dance captain at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure she would agree with that. But um, uh, for me, I just kept, you know, my whole thing, and I've always been a bit like this, as I put my nose into the ground and I just go. And I try to do the best that I can and, and achieve what it needs to be done or what's being asked of me. So I'm always been right. a bit of a, you know, nose down and go at it. 
Yeah. A question I've kind of been asking during this series uh, with training. Mm-hmm. So we do so much training or people do so much training and then go into uh, a professional environment. And, and that's the question I have for you. Like, was, did you have to learn quickly of, I know that you're very, very professional. Anyone that worked with you knows that. Like, was that something that was already ingrained in you or you were learning on the job? Um, and do you feel that slightly different nowadays? Because I was asking somebody recently, like, do you think there should be something more within training about how to be, you know, when you get to a professional setting? Yes, I, um, you know, it's very interesting because it depends on where your training is, right? When you're younger, I felt very fortunate mm-hmm. because when I, you know, as I said, I was training at Gus Giordano Jazz Dance Chicago, the school, and I was also at Hubbard Street Dance Company's school, um, the Lucanti Dance Studio at the time. And because you were in class with professionals who were out there doing the jobs, they were, you know, doing the musical theater gigs and um, the videos, the video work and the, the, um, all the live theater that I w- would watch how they would conduct themselves in class. Yeah. And by observing, mirroring their behavior you learn how to conduct yourself as a professional. And also hopefully you have some mentors that are also guiding you. And I felt very fortunate that I had some very good mentors as well. That kind of, I don't know. Um, you, I, I'm sure there's, there's little things that they would just be dropping into the class. You know, even when I teach, I try to drop little nuggets of information for people to take in hopes that they understand that when you're walking into the professional world, it's a job now. It's no longer your after-school activity. Yeah, There's an accountability there because somebody's paying you to be there. This is no longer the reverse. And some people have a hard time understanding that it's no longer you paying to take class to be in this environment. It is you being paid to be in an environment and produce a product of which you were hired to produce. Yeah, for sure. And I always think by saying to people, you know, if you are, if you lack experience per se, but you go to a job, it's always best to just, you know, observe yeah. and take in around you and observe this per- instead of just trying to, you know, be there and, and, and find your own way. I always say, you know, observe what's happening and you've got professionals around you, like you say, with experience um, and you can gain and learn from them and hopefully you'll start off on the right foot. Yes, exactly observation and learning from those who have been doing the job um, and who are succeeding at the job. You know, you want to pay attention to how it is that they're succeeding. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, I mean, one question, like, how does it feel when you suddenly get your first paycheck? How did you feel like a first professional paycheck? What's that feeling like? You're like, yes. Oh, it's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It was so exciting. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was something, you know, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was like $320, you know, some, some small fee for two weeks of work as you know, at, at the time that's, that's what it was. And I remember taking a picture of it, not on my phone, mind you, <laughs> with a real, like a right, real not- camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember taking a picture of it. And I actually, um, I keep, I journal quite a bit and I did find my journal entry that, uh, I wrote on the day that I got hired for the job. So, and I was super excited about it. Awesome obviously yeah i just remember i think the first page i ever i was like i get paid to do something mm-hmm. i love it's just um, insane mm-hmm. absolutely great so moving on from there what was the, the next steps for you wow i spent um 
let's say I spent a good six to seven years dancing after, after I left uh, the um, Al Anthony's Phantom of the Superstars sh show, I started dancing with Gus Tradana Jazz Dance Chicago. And I danced with Joseph Palm Chicago Dance Theater, River North Dance Company, and several other pickup companies within Chicago. So I spent a good six years really working and, and, and working at my craft, which I'm so blessed to have, have done. It's, um, it's a difficult field, and, and there's not a lot of opportunity out there in, in company concert dance positions. It's a, it's a tough um, community, you know, because there's just not a, a, a lot of positions available. So I spent six, seven years doing that in Chicago. It was glorious. However, I just remember never really having a vacation. It was just constantly work, 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 you know, 14-hour days. And it was something that, you know, you're doing, you know, mon Monday through Sunday because, concert dancing is also not a big paycheck so you were also again doing the side gig you know bartending which i yeah. did and uh working as a receptionist which i did and all the other things that you need to do to make the ends meet when you're living in a city like chicago or new york city or la or london yeah. you know and it, and, yeah and you mentioned like that's must be a uh, an issue for people or not an issue but a way of life like how does one deal with you know the pressures of um, having to work sometimes to support yourself, but have this passion and drive to try and get a, a job in the profession that you've trained for. Uh, what are the difficulties and challenges with that? Yeah, you know, it, it that is that is one of those, that's a real gray, what I consider to be a gray area. It's really difficult because when you're living in a city like Chicago or New York City, the cost of living is so high. And you have to have a job unless you're somehow independently wealthy. Um, which most yes. of us are not. And so you, you have to take a job, right? And then what happens is then you're, you're finding a way to balance how to make money to stay afloat while you're pursuing your dream. Mm. And I do, do know that there have been individuals who've been discouraged and um, some end up leaving the cities that they're in and they go take other jobs um, or they stay and they just give up their dream of ever being in, in the performance arts. Right. So it's, it's hard, it, but you've got, if you're really willing to stick with it and it's really what you want to do, you learn how to navigate and manipulate your situation so that you make those auditions and you do show up and you do take those hours at the restaurant because you want to pay your bills and you want to be in the city. So, you know, you have to determine yeah. what is important, what is important to you. And then you have to stick with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing yeah. is, is that it's nobody ever has said to, to you, to anyone, it's going to be easy. You know, this is not ever really an easy job. Yeah. yeah this, not an easy yeah path. The paths are not easy, but I, you know, that's pretty much for, I think anybody in any industry you know if yeah. you really want something you got to do it for, yeah and for me i actually used to take a bit of excitement from that of not you know of kind of trying to find the next job or the next gig and like be and then it, you know you never knew what was going to happen from one week to the next or what auditions would mm -hmm. come up and it you know it's that used to be exciting for me like what's up i'd open the newspaper or the casting paper yep. for that week and be like wow how can i work my and then shuffle my life around that to go to that audition and try and get oh job. absolutely it's all about manipulating the schedule right i mean i rem i remember carrying yeah. i had a little book a date book and 
just caring and scribbling and you know working da 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 I'd have a, a show here ba 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 rehearsals here da, da, da. and you just you literally did you just kept kept that journal with me every yeah. single time and it never left my sight now of course we've got phones with us but you know I, I scratches out here and rescheduling there you just you did what you needed to do to make it happen I think I need to go back to the journal actually <laughs> because I think the phone I take I'm too granted that I, I I sometimes do not put the information in there for but I write yeah. it down I remember <laughs> I'm a little bit the same way too <laughs> <laughs> Great. so uh the time in Chicago uh, after that w- w- did that kind of stop and then is that when you moved on to your next uh you know next part of your yeah, career yeah I um you know I just came to a point when in Chicago where I I started to f- I did started to feel burnt out. I did. Um, I was working quite a bit and I just had some personal, um, crises. I will always say crises, but you know, it wasn't catastrophic, but I had some personal crises yeah. that m- made me sit back and re- reevaluate, uh, my life and what I was doing. And, and I really questioned whether or not I was happy. And I think that's also really important um, you know, I really thought to myself, am I happy in this environment? Am I happy doing what I'm doing? Is this fulfilling me anymore? And mm-hmm. it wasn't. And when I really realized that the, it, that situation was no longer feeding my happiness, it was time to make a change. So I initially, when I left concert dancing, I was like, I'm going back to school. This is it. I'm done with dancing, period. Well, throwing it away. And I had a good friend of mine at the time said, hey, you know what? Why don't you go audition for a cruise ship? Just go. Just go audition for a cruise ship. Take some time off. Go do this. The stress is, is not as, as high. And uh, give yourself some space, to, which was really great advice. Give yourself some space to see if this is really what mm-hmm. you want to do. Do you just want to walk away from all of these years of training and what you've you know, really um work for all your life to be, to be, or do you just, or is it really time for you just to go back to school? Just to take a breath. So I was like, okay, not that. I was like, this is a good piece of advice. So I showed up to some auditions and I auditioned for a Norwegian cruise line at the time. It was Gina and Ryan who was running the production mm-hmm. shows for Norwegian cruise line. And I got hired in the middle of the audition. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, you're on board. <laughs> Which was lovely. She just, she, you know, the lady who was auditioning me, she just pulled me aside and she said, are you available October? Da, 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 da. And I said, yes, I am. And you know, and the funny thing is, is I didn't even know if I was available. I just said yes. Right. And I said, yes. Say yes and worry mm-hmm. about it after. And I took <laughs> that job and I left and I, it was my very first contract for the cruise line industry. I was working on the dream at the time. It was the dream word, the MS dream word with Gina and Ryan and we had alternating itineraries out of the Caribbean and it was glorious. I had such an amazing time. I was dancing. I worked with an amazing group of, of professionals and, um, and it was really my first time working with singers because I'd been in, a, in an industry that was predominantly, it was just so dance heavy. So it was really my first time working yeah. with singers. So it was my, because I didn't really do musical theater in Chicago. I really did stick to concert dancing. Um, so yeah, that was, that was it. And that was in the early nineties, no, mid nineties, mid nineties, yeah. my apologies, mid nineties. Um, and I just kept going. So you said- Just kept going. 
<laughs> well, good. I'm glad that's all you can do. So, how was it that suddenly you're and uh, you've suddenly got this travel, you've got this job, um, and obviously uh, work in the cruise industry myself. How did that feel like? Was it like you were on vacation, but also working at the same time? Well, I'll be honest with you. It felt like vacation to me because having lived in Chicago, working seven <laughs> days a week, you know, 12, 12 hour days, all of a sudden mm. the rehearsals are very difficult, right? We know this, the rehearsals in the cruise line industry, the rehearsals are summer stock. You're learning a show a week. It's intense material and you're just go, 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 go. Um, so the rehearsals were yeah. very intense. I was also having to sing, which I never really had to do before. So there was a whole other element to um, the rehearsal process that I had never experienced before, uh, which was glorious. I love that as well. And also, too, at the time, you know, Gina and Ryan had um, bookend shows. So we were doing Dream Girls. So I did Dream Girls yeah. with them and I did 42nd Street, a couple other um, shows. So that was that was new for me as well. So I was learning some new skill sets. However, once we got to the ship and we were, you know, into our performance schedule and we simply had uh, cleanup rehearsals, to me, it felt like a vacation because I was <laughs> performing and rehearsing, but not to the extent of what I was accustomed to living in Chicago. So, yeah, yeah it was amazing. I was like, what? I can sleep and, you know, and I, you know, and I'm going to Cozumel and I learned how to scuba dive and, you know, I can go to the, it was really, yeah, it was fantastic. What would you say for any professional dancer that's looking to get into to cruising uh, and do that as a professional gig as a dancer? Would you, you recommend oh, that? Oh, of course. Absolutely. You know, the other thing is the industry from when I started, um, the industry, the industry now provides a, an amazing training ground. You need foundation, foundation, mm. foundation. You got to come in with some foundation. However, uh, we both know that the industry from an entertainment uh, standpoint has exploded. And what mm. you can do and what is being produced on the, the cruise ships now is absolutely astonishing. And your talent and the quality of talent is very high. It's very demanding. So it's a great place to learn how to partner, how um, different genres, you know, like ballroom and salsa dancing. You also are exposed to aerial work. There's a lot of people that I know that were dancers that have now become aerialists because of their exposure to um, that work on the cruise ships, you know, and that's what they do now. They no longer really consider themselves to be dancers. They've mm. shifted. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it just keeps the industry now keeps pushing boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Every, every year, every couple of months, it's implementing something new and really challenging. And like you say, the level of talent or the level of talent that you need, and you have to be a, a well-versed performer these days to, to be yes, in those yeah. shows. And, you know, I, I think people don't realize how many entertainers the industry as a whole employs. Yeah. Well, I think suddenly they're realizing there's not like in, right. during this pandemic, it's like in, mm -hmm. insane, right? The, the amount. Yeah. Um, so that was an experience for you. And then you kind of stuck with the cruise industry still, still today. Mm -hmm. We talk about that, but from there, how did your career develop within that? Yeah. Industry? When I came in, I was very fortunate. I got a position as the dance captain. Um, I had experience well, when I was concert dancing, I was a rehearsal director for Gus Giordano Jazz Dance Chicago. So I was really accustomed to scheduling and organizing and um, 
resetting pieces. So coming into the cruise line industry, you know, having to be responsible for the, the integrity of the product uh, seemed quite natural, uh, quite a natural transition for me. And then I continued to transition from performing into then, you know, whatever, in, whatever cruise line um, titling you want to call it, some call it a rehearsal supervisor position, a rehearsal choreographer, um, a rehearsal assistant, whatever that, that position is that um, stages uh, pre, uh, material, pre-existing material each time a contract comes up. So mm. I started to do that role as well. So I spent a good 15 years doing that. So that transition was really quite easy for me uh, when I decided that I didn't want to dance anymore, that I, didn't, I myself did not want to perform. And I transitioned into being in that position of whatever you want to title it, uh, rehearsal supervisor, um, rehearsal director, for the next 15 20 years yeah how did that come then as, as a natural progression for a dancer was it something that you were feeling for a while or it kind of just you like one day woke up and like you know i'm i'm actually don't want to do performing anymore i want to move like how did that I think when you're happen? on stage there there comes a point for those of us who have transitioned out of performing that you just start to realize the stage is not where you want to be anymore yeah i definitely started to feel like that towards the end like no i'm really not down for this anymore or waking up next day not being yeah you know that and that's actually a really valid point um because the quality of life the maintenance of your uh equipment your voice your body it becomes more difficult to maintain and when that balance and that mm. shift occurs and you have to spend more time maintaining than you actually get to perform it starts to wear on you yeah. a bit or it did on me i should say some people are okay with it I, for me i was like i'm good thanks yeah i mean i wish i could kind of be like uh venus <sighs> williams she just seems to be this elite elite athlete that just keeps yeah. going and going and i was like i i don't know how she does it but it's amazing I wish well i, I also think that. when you're looking at elite athletes like that you're also looking at their support system and in the arts you know yeah. we don't have the same kind of support system always right um we don't always have the massage therapists or the chiropractors or the nutritionists or somebody drawing our bath or cooking for us that that you know yeah i think if that was the case we yeah yeah done. i do really think that because when you start to have to manage your life uh, and you're trying to manage your craft and your body to do your craft it, it does become harder yeah. So, I mean, that was a great uh, amount of time that you did. And that's where we met, met luckily enough. And I was uh, got the pleasure to work with you and be directed. And, and like I say earlier, learned so much from you and really Thank enjoyed you. that time. Um, and I think during that time, which I kind of want to touch on, where you've kind of moved to now as mm -hmm. a, a consultant, uh, you know, and directing and choreographing and, and coming up with those ideas and really working with companies and coming up with it and making their visions come to life. Um, I remember, you know, a certain la Latin show that we were doing and you really immerse yourself in it. And I remember listening to your stories of, you know, going, you going there to research uh, and really understand it and come back to be able to breathe that choreography and teach it correctly in the intent. Talk to us a little bit about that now with your new career as, you know, new transition as owner of your own company and consulting, what that process is like when you're creating you know an initial step with consultancy uh, yes that transition 
Uh, also, I, I feel very fortunate because I, I feel like in my career, I've been fortunate enough to transition from dancer to, re to a rehearsal supervisor, director position into choreographing for other um, directors and then creating my own product. Very, very natural. But I think a lot of it has to do with a, I was always um, observant. So I was always curious about how processes um, happened. How does a show, how do you get, how do you put a show together? And also very curious. You have to have some curiosity. You want you want to um, be curious about how something is done, why something is done the way it is done, or how something is performed in the way in the manner of what it, which it is mm -hmm. done. And I was given some wonderful opportunities um, by Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines and Azamara um, Club Cruises to create my own shows with them, which I did. I was very fortunate to do that. And I've also created some material for Carnival Cruise Lines, which was also um, really lovely. And my whole, my whole premise of how I approach my material is if I'm being asked to represent a particular idea, I take the time to research what it is that I'm being asked to present. And I was mm. asked the particular show that you're discussing as I was um, asked to become essentially the resident director for a show that was called Tango Buenos Aires. And when I was asked to kind of take that over, I didn't know much about um, tango or tango dancing. So I decided to go to Buenos Aires for six weeks and learn and find out what it was all about because I felt I needed to have a skill set and, and, and tools that I didn't own at that particular time to have anything valid yeah. to contribute to the product or contribute to the artists um, who are having to perform the product. Yeah. So I wanted to be armed with um, information and understanding um, and that required me going to Buenos Aires for six weeks, six weeks. And I studied down there. I studied tango when I was down there. And, and I was fortunate to have some lovely um, friends and instructors that took me around the city. They could immerse myself in the product. And I did. And it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, I just remember working with you and it, just thinking like, wow, this woman's like just <laughs> from Argentina, just like so knowledgeable. And I think as a performer, like when you're working with a director or a choreographer and, you know, they might not be from there, but they're teaching when they really understand, you know, the intent and the style. And it just makes you as a performer really invest and believe like, wow, this is, and you're learning. And it, it was a, a great experience. And I think anyone that has had the chance to work with you would, would say that because you really empower and, and embody what you're, you've learned and put that into the product. So well, and I awesome. do that because I also want my entertainers and the people that I'm working with to feel empowered by what they're presenting. You know, a lot of people become very insecure when they're having to present a genre of material that they haven't um, trained in or grown up in or in a culture that they don't really know themselves. And so um, I want to find ways to help them feel empowered and confident in the material that they're performing. What's the biggest challenge that you face when you're creating or, you know, consulting coming up with something? What, what challenges do you face? Oh, those parameters move around quite a bit. Um, honestly, sometimes it is, uh, sometimes it's just, it comes down to budget. <laughs> Sometimes it comes down to time. Yeah. Um, sometimes it comes down to maybe you're not as excited about material that you're asking um, to, you're being asked to choreograph. Um, 
And you know what? And I always take those jobs, even if I'm not excited, or I used to take those jobs when I wasn't as excited because then it would force me to figure out why am I not excited about this um, and make me dig deeper into yeah. myself um, to figure that out. So I, you know, it's hard to, I know that was a very ambiguous answer and my apologies. However, I kind of feel like it, those parameters <laughs> do change quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, like you say, your face, it could be uh, various things that could uh, create a hurdle for yeah. you when you are creating. So, yeah. For a, a performer that is getting the chance to, you know, work with the director, work with the choreographer, um, you know, with a different genre that maybe they're not used to, what's your advice to, to them going into that uh, process? I would always say, leave yourself open and available um, because you need to be, you want, you, you want to be, you want your talent to be open and available to consume, right? You're the, you, you know, you, you're yeah. the buffet that the director is coming in to choose. You know, I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of that. And I'm going to dress the table this way and that way. You just have to be open to it and and trust i would say just trust in your directors that if they see something that they think is attainable you need to trust them and go with that so if your director or your teacher is is trusting you you should be trusting yourself yeah great advice Throughout your career, I mean, you're you're at to where you are now, consulting, and you 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 do so many things. I you know I see you you know teaching online dance classes. You work with you know vulnerable people as well. Teaching you do so many things. Um, you know, from starting out as a as a young dancer to where you are now, what what's the biggest hurdle you would say that you faced throughout your career, and, and how did you overcome that? Oh, let's see. I. <laughs> There might have been many. <laughs> it's a generational uh, hurdle. Um, uh, you know, that's actually a very interesting question. And I sometimes I do believe, and I, I believe that some of the biggest obstacles that I've had to um, get over or get through or get by or just knock down would be... Um, being a woman in the industry, it's shocking that um, we still have these conversations about the the talent and the abilities yeah. of women, the creativity that women are, are able to bring, the um, the directorial strength that they're able to bring. Uh, you know, those are a lot of a lot of the hurdles that people in my generation had to, um, you know deal with and we still deal with that you know there's more awareness about it and there's really an incredible mm. cultural shift occurring where these um hurdles are starting to really you know the obstacles are really starting to crumble and they're starting to come down which is beautiful i applaud that did the did those experiences, like I, you're a very, you know, as I know, you're a very strong character, strong woman. Did that? Did those experiences make you stronger? Is that it makes you who you are today, or you just kind of were able to look past that and keep moving I, forward? A little. I, I would say a little bit of both. I think when I was younger, I was just ignorant. <laughs> I just kept going. I was like, there's no, re I didn't, I didn't grow up in a household where I felt like I, I was limited. My mother, my, my stepfather and my father were always very supportive and just let me go. And, um, 
and they did. So I just kept going. I didn't think that there was a reason why I would have to stop. And it wasn't really until later that I started to realize it's like, oh, there's, there's, there's these issues with me being a strong woman. Like that didn't dawn on me until my mid twenties. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how far I got before I really started yeah. to realize it's like, <laughs> oh, this is actually problematic. Okay. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it does. It is some people are very threatened by women who are strong. You know, it's um, you know we have to battle the the stereotype of being cold, or um, you know some foul words, which I'm not going to say. Um, you know, so you do have to yeah. you do have to battle that quite a bit. And I've certainly been called um, some very foul wor- words to my face many times many times and that, and what do you, you know, how do you do, um, deal with that <laughs> That's well there's a part of me that you know i kind of was like yeah and what's your problem with it so right and sometimes i think people like they give off or come back sometimes when it where they're sometimes they either intimidated or jealousy or something whatever it might be uh to somebody who is sure of themselves and confident and knows what they want um to me it's a very endearing thing i love it when i see people that they know what they're doing they're going for it it's great but to other people it'd be like yeah. well, they're unsure of themselves and it can sometimes reflect reflect on others but um i think it's served you very well clearly mm, of the amazing you. career that you've had so far you talk, and you know, you've really molded people's careers as well. You know, you a long career that you've taught and developed people, uh, and I'm sure there's many professionals that will listen to this or have worked with you and, and say the same. What about you? Was there someone that was very influential throughout your career that has helped you become, you know, the professional sure, absolutely. you are today? You know, you certainly can't move forward without having mentors, right? And you never, you, you always have a mentor somewhere in your life. I've been very fortunate that when I was younger, I really considered, you know, my ballet master, the one who said, Hey, you're not going to be a ballerina. He was really a mentor. You know, he really shifted that. Um, that was a very, that was a pinnacle moment in my life. So I, I owe a lot to him. Um, there was another woman, you know, when I talked foundation, 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 who really instilled that in, into me. And her name was, um, is Leah Darwin. And I met her at Gustradonna jazz dance, um, Chicago school. And studied with her and and she was just amazing at really in this most gentle way, just continually reminding you that foundation, foundation, this is what you need to have. And I I I'm so blessed to have had her as an instructor. Um you know, a lot of the people that I studied with at, at uh, in Chicago, huge influence on my dancing. Uh, Mark Dow, who gave me my first job with um, Al Anthony, he to this day is still uh, an individual that I would consider a mentor in my life. And that has also shifted because he his career has shifted. And I felt as as both of our careers have moved and shifted, he still serves as, as a mentor for me and somebody that I really look up to, whether or not it's in business or entertainment. Um, you know, he's he's still someone that I really um feel a great deal of influence from as well as Sherry Zunker, who, you know, at the time when I first took class with Sherry Zunker, I was 14 years old and 
to this day, now I'm working with her, her company, um, be moved. And that's, that's the dance fitness program that I teach. Mm. And that is her product. So I've had this really long-term relationship with Sherry in terms of her being a teacher and a mentor to me when I was younger. She was also a, a choreographer and director for Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, who I, um, studied under and worked with and then assisted, um, and now with this and be moved. So she and I have had a very long history and, you know, still serves as a, as a mentor to me. And then I've had some other individuals. Scott Woolley um, was a, a man who really impacted me, really showed me the ropes in terms of musical theater. Because like I said, I, when I was performing professionally myself, I was predominantly a concert dancer and I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about the musical theater world. And he really helped guide me and gave me a lot of information. So I, I feel so um, blessed to have had him as a mentor. And, um, you know, as I've shifted throughout my career, you know, I'm really into understanding positive leadership and how to empower people, how to empower yourself. And there's been a few individuals who have, who still mentor me and still help me along the way in that, that life coaching scenario. And, and that would have, that would be Esther Jealous and um, Dr. Scott Lyons and the two Taras in my life, Tara Eden and Tara Dujel, um, Judel, who are in my life at this moment and are kind of now laying a foundation for what I'm calling my second career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing that you have had so many mentors. And I think it's really important for young you know, anybody, really, but definitely young professionals that are to, you know, really have a mentor and res respect the people that are influencing you and can help you. Because we've all been in that position where we've needed help. And as we grow throughout our careers, and as you say, coming to a second career, we want to give back and we should be able to give back. And it's uh, being open to mm -hmm. feedback and direction um, to be able to learn and grow. And that's my biggest advice with people is to be, like you say, open and really bear your soul and, and take that feedback, take that mentorship because they, they've either been there or we've been there and we, we want to help you get right. to where you, you know, right. can achieve and be the you know, best I always version say, of yourself. You know, there, there are limitations in life, right? You know, the physical limitations. However, ultimately, I, I feel limitations that that are there something sometimes we place upon ourselves and so if we can learn to let go of those limitations and open ourselves up to to change and growth yeah you know you can you can do anything yeah absolutely i mean i definitely still <laughs> can't get in the physical limitation <laughs> 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 yeah that's never gonna happen no no there's no right. mentor that can make that happen unless a surgeon a surgeon uh, does something to me <laughs> awesome well as we get towards the uh end of this uh, podcast it's been absolutely amazing i just have a few more quick questions for you um if you have advice for professionals you know that are coming to a transition in their career whether that be a singer dancer act whatever it might be and looking to move into you know creative or consulting what um, advice I, would you give you know, them the thing that you really want to do is you want to start working with people that you resonate with and and then start observing how these individuals work what is it about these individuals that enjoy that you enjoy um working with and working for and being in that environment and that creative environment, you yourself just start to pick up on that. And you are in situations where you're part of a creative team. Um, 
And that can be a natural transition. That's how I went about it. That's how I preferred to go about it. And I'm sure there's other ways for, you know, people um, who maybe are just like, hey, I'm going to start, a, you know, an Instagram account and I'm going to do four eights of choreography and you're, and you're all going to learn it if you join my Instagram account. To the, you know, today's environment is so different. You know, technology offers individuals an opportunity yeah. to create and put their material out there in in a in a way that I never had available to me. What would you say makes a great director? Oh wow, um, I would say compassion, uh, clarity of vision. Um, there there needs to be a sense of con- uh, conviction with with the work that you're doing. Um, passion. You know, uh-huh. I think the passion and the conviction go together yeah. um, because you want to you, you have to have belief in what it is that you're presenting and what you do, what it is that you're creating. Otherwise, there won't be any passion or conviction within the product itself. So and I think the compassion needs to be balanced with the conviction. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. What would you say your um, if you had a chance, your favorite collaboration, if you could work with somebody or work on a show or somebody w- would come to you to create and consult for them, what would your favorite collaboration be? Oh, my gosh. Be? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, not me. It's fine. Like, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> that's a really hard question. I don't know that I actually really have one individual. I'm not someone who... Um, first and foremost, I really do love to collaborate, but I tend to like to collaborate in larger groups. Um, so that's really a difficult question. You know what? I've never asked myself that question. And maybe I need to sit down and, and, and journal about that. Yeah. That's my homework. Maybe that's yeah. your homework. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes you can say like, I'd really just love to have you know, been able to collaborate and create this show with, with this star or this artist. Yeah. But, and I think also yeah, too, because to when I'm creating, that. I tend to create on a cross genres. So, and I think that's also very difficult because, you know, you're looking for an artist to create something here and you're looking for, you know, a creative partner and you creating something here. So I also think that sometimes, um, since I tend to cross genres quite a bit, that that's probably why I don't have one particular individual. Yeah, you'd have to have like a, a great. Yeah, that's pretty much how it'd be, right? <laughs> <in every job. laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, oh. I could talk to you all day long. Such great stories and insights, and what a career you've had uh, this far. And like you say, your second career is is blooming, and there's going to be so many good things to come. And I'm excited to hopefully cross paths with you and keep uh, working and and Wake meeting you within well. our industry. Um, so thank you for your insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, last question before we go, just last insight to everybody um, or anyone that's new to the industry or in the industry. Um, you know, what advice, if you'd known something before you'd start started out um, or joining the industry, what advice would you give to, you know, have a successful career within the entertainment uh, industry? I wish when I was younger, I had understood the process of auditioning and the process of um, what it means to have a, a really good professional headshot and um, resume. I, because when I was younger, that always provided so much anxiety for me was presenting a resume and a headshot. And because I didn't know if I was doing it right. It's like, I don't know if this is what it should look like. Um, and 
finding jobs and, and auditioning back then. I didn't didn't have the I think the the understanding and the know how um, in those early days. So I think um, there mm -hmm. right now there are so many courses now out there. You have resume courses. You have how how to you know do you know headshots? Who's looking for what? What it's you know the information is massive now out on the internet. So you have that availability. And my my point would be take advantage of what is out there and learn. So that to me, there's no reason in today's environment to be able to walk into a situation where you don't know, unless you don't have the access to uh, a computer and internet. Yeah, I think that's valuable. And that seems to be a trend yeah. through my interviews is, you know, be prepared, be, do your, do your research, yeah. know what you're auditioning for, know what you're going up against and, and be ready in the yeah, best version. Exactly. So, know, you know what you're you walking into and know who that's the players great. are. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Christine, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on Industry Insights. Um, like I say, hope to catch up with you soon once this uh, Mr. Pandemic is out of the way and we can go back to somewhat of new normal and back to what we love. Uh, but thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you, Darren, so much. Uh, I appreciate your time you today. Care. I had a great time. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks, Christine. Take care. Thanks again for joining me on Industry Insights with DPDS. It's been a pleasure having you. We will see you next week for our next episode where I'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and all the links will be provided in this podcast. Until then, enjoy your morning, afternoon, or evening, and most of all, stay safe. <laughs>